Um, if you need a Bible, uh, I'll just remind you that there are copies um, on the back table to my left, your right. Feel free to uh, to make your way to the table or just throw your hand up. I'm sure that there um, are some guys back there who can grab one and bring one to you if you need it. Um, if not, open up and uh, or turn on to Philippians chapter 2. This is where we are going to be this morning. Let's um, begin our time um, just in uh, by taking a moment of prayer. Okay, we're... Um, Coming out of like a really busy season, right? I mean, um, this this Christmas season is uh, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of things going on, right? There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot that's happening. A lot of travel. Um, this may be uh, one of the first times over the past few weeks that some of you have like sat down. <laughs> um, okay, and so um, let's take just a moment and let's go to the Lord and let's just ask Him. Um, let's just ask Him to to soften our hearts to what we are going to hear this morning from Philippians chapter 2 um, as we look towards 2019 and um, some practices um, that I think are indeed most beneficial for our conformity into the image of Christ. Okay, that is what we are about. That is what we desire, right? Because that is God's desire, right? Um, the rescue of, of sinners, bringing them into fellowship with himself and an increasing um, degree of conformity into uh, Christ, okay? And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. But these are some ideas that, like, you've probably heard before, okay? And so um, let's just take a moment and let's just be still and let's pray and let's just ask the Lord to, from his word, uh, teach us as to how we might in this next year, as we look ahead towards towards uh, the next couple of days and kicking off 2019, um, how um, conformity into the image of Christ and the exaltation of Jesus might be central. Okay, that's what we're working on. That's what we're talking about this morning. Um, and I'll explain that a little bit more in just a moment. But let's just, let's just close our eyes. And let's just take a moment. Let's be still and, and quiet. And let's ask the Lord to, by His Spirit, work um, in our hearts this morning. Father, we pray that you would, um, as only you can, um, work amongst us in our hearts this morning. That what we read here from Philippians chapter 2 and the things that we discuss concerning the ways in which you transform us into the image of Jesus... As we look at these things this morning, our, our desire is that we would look at them with new and, and fresh eyes, that we would look at them with renewed eyes and vigor uh, and desire um, to see these things manifest in us and through us um, as we move into 2019, but not, not only for 2019, but, but for, for our entire lives, as we lean into and and seek to, to better understand these ideas, these concepts from your word this morning. We pray that your spirit would um, soften our hearts and, and open our eyes. And that we might lean in, that we might worship, having worshipped you in, in song, that we might now worship you with our attentiveness. That we, might, that we might sit and just feast on your word and the goodness of the gospel this morning. We love you and we're grateful for your love for us. And it's in the name of Jesus, again, that we pray. Amen. 
Amen. So I want to take us back for just a minute. Okay, I want to I want to take us back. We're in between seasons. We're we're coming out of uh, the season of Advent, as we've mentioned like three or four times already this morning, in which we worked through John chapter one. Uh, and um, prior to that, we were in the book of Genesis. And following this morning, we will pick back up in the book of Genesis. And so those of you who um, have been here, right, and you're kind of going, what's going on with Genesis? When are, we, when are we going back to Genesis? We're going back to Genesis. We'll be there next week. Uh, but this morning, we're going to take a little bit of a, of a break, and I want to talk about why that is. As Christ the King was in the process of being planted in 2015 and 16, the Lord was uh, super faithful. Super faithful to form a vision for what this church was to be. As to what this church was to be in our community, for, uh, for the good of the community, for our good, and for the magnification of the glory of God. This is an idea that we're going to talk about in depth this morning. The Lord was super faithful to form a vision that we believe indeed makes Christ the King unique. A vision that serves to assist in maintaining a trajectory, keeping this covenant community moving forward together toward a common goal. And as a result, making success and progress measurable. Okay, from the beginning, there was an understanding of the possibility for faithful and consistent vision casting to be neglected. Because let's be honest, there's a lot going on, right? I'm not sharing with you now anything that you are like unaware of. This happens in our own lives as, as well. Given the time of year that we find ourselves in, the, the precipice of a new year, we recognize the benefits of a time set aside to refocus. This is the idea behind the resolution, right? Anybody have um, New Year's resolutions like on your minds already, right? Um, I told Courtney, uh, one of my resolutions is to, um, to wear more black going into 2019. Like, that's a big goal of, my, of mine. Some of you are like, that's super strange. I know, but, like, don't judge my resolution, okay? Like, how about that? Like, I bet you probably have some strange ones um, as, as well. More black in 2019. That's a, that's a goal that I'm focused on. I want to run more. I want to eat better, right? I want to sin less. I want to love my wife and children better, right? These are, these are goals. You likely have, have goals or, or resolutions that you have in your mind as well. And so we, we're familiar with this idea of setting aside a particular amount of time to reflect, right, and to, and to reorient. We're, we're familiar with, with setting aside a, a particular season or amount of time for reflection and reorientation and intentionality moving forward. Right? So, so understanding that this is often the human tendency, that is to have a specific goal in mind, only then to, over a period of time, see that goal sort of fall by the wayside, and then understanding and embracing the idea that there is a time set aside for reflection and reorientation and intentionality. We set a goal as a church 
Right? We just looked at the human experience, right? the human existence, and said that the human existence and experience ought to, at least in some way, inform the way that we go about doing things um, as we gather during our, uh, during our Sundays. And so we set a goal, right, um, that at least once a year we would take a step back, that we would take a step back and that we would um, revisit the unique mission of Christ the King and her values, these ideas that form the DNA of our fellowship, statements that are intended to shape the way that we live corporately and the way that we live individually. Because while these ideas certainly serve to guide decisions that we make as a body, they are not intended to only guide decisions that we make as a body. What do you mean? Well, I mean this, that um, to take it one step further, if we fail to, if the church, if I fail to equip and encourage individual participation outside of these walls in our mission, then we are not fully accomplishing our mission. Right? We're, we're talking about an idea that is that is to guide the way that we make decisions here as a church, but it's not to guide the decisions that we make here as a church only, but it's to inform the way that we live our lives. Our desire is a common language. Our desire is a common vision and a common hope. Our desire is an intentional articulation of these points that we seek to foster within our fellowship while providing insight to those who might be new into the life of Christ the King and relationship with her members. What am I saying? Well, we're talking about who we are. Okay? That's what we're talking about this morning. Who are we? What is the mission of Christ the King? All right? And how do we see that playing itself out in our lives? This year, I would like us to consider these points around the focus of the exaltation of Jesus from Philippians chapter 2. Now, it's not often, okay, um, that you will find us dropping into a text like this. Very rarely do we just go, hey, where are we going this week? How about Philippians chapter, chapter 2? But we're going to do it this week. And even as we do it this week, our desire is always, in all things, faithful exposition, even from a bit of a thematic approach. And so allow me to do a little bit of work to introduce you to the book of Philippians before we go back to the text that Jacqueline already read for us this morning. Here, as we turn to this book, which I hope you have opened before you, we find the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi. And he's, he's thanking them. And he writes them a letter to, to thank them for their loving support. And to encourage them. Paul writes to, to thank the Philippian people and to encourage them towards unity and lives of service that mirror the service of Christ, who, making himself nothing, became a man rather than clinging to the right of his divine nature. The preeminent display of the humility that the gospel calls the Christian into. This is the message of Paul in this letter, penned from a Roman cell, is where we're going this morning. Having presented the humility of Christ in verses 5 through 8, culminating with Christ's 
crucifixion, Paul sets out to solidify his reader's understanding of the exaltation of Christ. What does that mean? Well, he's, he's solidifying the reader's understanding of the elevation of Christ in verses 9 through 11. For the sake of, of context, as perhaps you have, you have already gathered, given our reading, we will begin in verse 5, in which Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this. So look here with me, beginning in verse 5. Paul's encouragement. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead chose to empty himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of of death, even, Paul writes, death on a cross. And so the question that we ask as we consider what we read in verse 5 is is a natural one. What mind is Paul talking about in verse 5? Have this mind among yourselves. As he encourages the Philippian people as well as you and I, well, he is talking of the mind of Christ. A mind that what? Well, a, a mind that counts others and their interests as, as one more important than one's own self-interest. Here's what Paul's saying. It's, it's not as though others are more important than you, but you ought to treat them as though they are. Flee, Paul writes, selfish ambition. Right? Flee conceit, and instead pursue by the strength of the Spirit unity. Now this is, of course, difficult. In fact, let's go one step further and say this, that it is, in fact, impossible for the natural man. But for those who have been born again, who live not by the strength of the flesh, but the strength of God, we find that it is indeed obtainable. How? Why? Well, well, it's obtainable because Christ Jesus embraced this posture. Despite the fact that he was the only one who was not required to. The Father's response in light of the Son's sacrifice is observable in verse 9. Look with me at verse 9. Paul writes, therefore, God has what? Highly exalted him. This is what we're talking about today. We're talking about the desire of the exaltation of Christ from and in our lives. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is so important to the glory of God the Father. We just went on a journey. Okay? I don't know. We, we went there so quick, right? It was a quick journey, but we went on one. And so allow me to take us back and consider um, what we observe in verses 9 through 11, maybe even extending back up into verse 5. In a few short verses, Paul moves us from the humiliation of Jesus 
to his exaltation. Not only that, but, but Paul walks the believers in Philippi as well as you and I toward this same end. We observe here in these few verses the work of the Son and the response of the Father. We see the posture of Jesus pre-resurrection and ascension, and the posture of the Son post-resurrection and ascension. The Son has been exalted. He has been elevated on earth, elevated in shame and guilt, despite his guiltlessness. Now, Paul writes, at the right hand of the Father, enthroned and, and elevated in righteousness. Paul's encouragement to the church here is really specific. Action that serves to elevate Christ, displaying his uniqueness. An action that serves to elevate Christ, displaying his importance, his supremacy, producing confession. And recognition, Paul discusses here, he lays out for us this this visual, this reality of every knee bowed and every tongue confessing, resulting in, verse 10, the glorification of the Father. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is pointing towards the Father's exaltation of the Son. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is pointing towards the Son's glorification of the Father. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is unpacking for us how these people, as well as you and I, are to be a part of this work. Right. So, so in light of these truths, how does the call of God through Paul and the mission of Christ the King to the glory of, of God Work. What does it look like? Well, let's discuss briefly the mission of this church. What is is our mission? Well, of course, we know that we share in, in God's mission, right? That our mission is informed by God's mission. If our mission is not in line with God's mission, then it's really like an awful mission, right? Like it's a mission to nowhere. Like it's it's pointless and not to be adopted, okay? But there is something about this fellowship that makes us unique. There's a reason that there are, are, are different churches, right? Like different, different parts of the body of Christ gathering together in different places on this very morning. There are unique traits and, 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 and actions that make churches different. And so what is the mission of this church? Well, we, we talk about it on a, on a fairly regular basis. Perhaps as you sat down this morning, you were looking at the screens before they lost their minds, and, um, and you saw our mission. If you didn't, allow me to share with you for just a moment the mission of our church, why we exist. As we seek to move corporately towards its fulfillment, unified in the humility of Christ, as we transition into 2019, we exist. Right, this church, if you're new here and you want to know like what we are about, this is it. Right, we, we exist to make 
train and send disciples to engage our neighbors and nations with the gospel of Jesus. Let me give you that one more time. And this is important. I'm giving it to you again, right? Because the statement that I made in the beginning was this, right? That this mission guides not only the decisions that we make as a fellowship, but they must inform decisions that we make individually as a part of this fellowship, right? So let me give you this again, because maybe up until this point, you've just kind of been like, I haven't been really considering this at all. I didn't know that was a thing, but this is super interesting. Let me give it to you again. Because we're going to talk about ways that we're living this out and that we must be seeking to live this out on a daily and consistent basis. We exist, this fellowship, right, you and and I, to to make and train and send disciples, to engage our, our neighbors and nations with the gospel of Jesus. This is a work that we feel like God has has called us to. Right? And this is what we as a church are committed to because this is what God is, is committed to. As a church, we are, are committed right, to, to encouraging you to rest in the equipping of the Spirit, to participate in this mission in every area of your life. What we're talking about here, right, is we consider what God is is doing, right, like like universally, and what God is is doing through this local body. What we're we're doing here and what we're saying this morning is that this must be a source of focus in our lives, that we don't, as God's people, um, a part of a, a local body, we don't just come and, like, be fed and then chill. Right, but there's a direction that we're moving together corporately in, right? Like a like a train, right? Like we're on these we're on this set of, of tracks. We're on the rails and, and we're moving together, right? When train cars start all going opposite directions, like there's a lot of carnage and there's a lot of chaos and there's a lot of destruction. Right? And so, so we are talking about moving together corporately and embracing this idea and this mission. God's mission at all costs. Pastor John Piper says it like this. He says, the one supreme, all-pervading, all-unifying mission of your life. Wow. If that doesn't catch your attention, then you missed it. Right? Like, we missed it. That everything of your life Right? That's what, he just, that's what he just said, essentially. The one supreme, all-pervading, all-unifying mission of your life is to joyfully and sacrificially declare and demonstrate. Declare and demonstrate. Right? Word and deed. Word and, and action. That the glory of Christ is more precious than life. And thus, to help all people, including all the ethnic groups and all the religions of the world, discover the glory of Christ as their only hope of true and everlasting joy. Does that sound at all familiar? Yes, of course it does. We've spent the past past five weeks talking about the hope and the peace and the 
the love and the joy of Christ. This is a big idea, isn't it? Right? But he doesn't stop there. Listen to how it continues. He says, your mission is not to stay alive. Sometimes we feel like it is, don't we? <laughs> right? Like, check in with me for just a moment. Like, sometimes we feel like, like I'm just trying to make it. Right? Like, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. I'm just trying to, to keep living one foot in front of the other. We even say things like that, don't we? Right? How's everything going? Well, man, we're just... We're just trying to make it, right? And, like, I'm not minimizing, like, like situations and circumstances. Right? I'm not, I'm not making little or light of those things. But what we, what we observe here, and what we, what we observe as we look back at Philippians chapter 2, is a call to something, something greater than just surviving. Right? Just, just being alive. Since your mission is not to stay alive. And your mission is not to tell other religions that all sincere roads lead to heaven. Your mission is to gladly make people glad in God through Christ. Your mission is to to gladly make people glad in God through Christ, even if it costs you your life. And to do it by by declaring, by your words and demonstrating, by your life, that the glory of Christ is more precious than life. We talk about being willing to give our lives, right? And, and, and for some of us, we're like, okay, I can get on board with that, right? But when we talk about, right, and we begin reflecting on what we see from Paul encouraged to the people at Philippi in terms of pursuing unity and living self-sacrificially in a way that is to magnify Christ, to point towards and elevate Christ to the glory of the Father, dying sometimes seems preferable, than a possible alternative, right? To, to like lovingly pursue after difficult people, <laughs> right? To, to, to serve those who are, who are difficult to serve, to serve those who, who make it difficult to serve, to do so gladly, recognizing that, that our mission, that our desire in light of what Christ has done for us, his pursuit of a rebellious people, is to gladly make people glad in God through Christ? This is big, isn't it? Like, this informs not only our action, but it informs, like, the heart behind our action. Oftentimes, our tendency might be to be a bit more hesitant, Right? or to serve up into a particular point, or to love up into a particular point, or to share up into a particular point, as opposed to to saying, no, it is indeed the, the living of the mission and the exaltation of Christ through the living of the mission that makes me glad. Are we together? Are you guys with me so far? This morning, we are discussing Christ's exaltation in every area of life. We're going to get super specific in just a few moments. But Jeff Vanderstel refers to this idea as Jesus' saturation. Jesus' saturation, an idea that he unpacks further in his book, Saturate. That makes sense, doesn't it? 
<laughs> he says this. He says, the vision of Jesus' saturation is this. Every man, woman, and child in every place having a daily encounter with Jesus through words spoken and deeds done through his people. Let me say that one more time. The vision of Jesus' saturation, the vision of Christ's exaltation, is this, every man, woman, and child in every place, in every place, having a daily encounter with Jesus through words spoken and deeds done through his people. This isn't like new. Right? This isn't like a vision that is unique to Vanderstill. Right? It's not a vision that is unique to, to me, and it's not a vision that is unique to you, because it's God's. Right? It's, God's it's God's vision. It's God's desire. This is echoed in, Hebrew, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as... The waters cover the sea. We step back and we go, this seems massive, right? Like this seems, this seems really big. Everybody take a breath. Like everybody, like lighten up a bit. Like I get it. This is big, right? This seems like a massive vision because it is. And the good news is this. Right, that its success is certain. Right, Jesus comforts his followers prior to his crucifixion in Luke chapter 21 with the following statement, beginning in verse 16. He says, You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you they will put to death. You'll be, you'll be hated. By all, for my name's sake. But listen to what he says in verse 18. You go, wait a second, certain, certain what? <laughs> like, we're talking about certainty here, but this, this seems grim, right? <laughs> let's, let's look at verse 18. He says, but not a hair on your head will perish. So, so obviously we're talking about an existence that is outside of like earthly existence, right? Like we're talking about life outside of of life, right? Because he, he's already talked about like how some would, would give their lives. They would be put to death. But then he says, not a hair on your head will perish. Well, wait a second. What do you mean? Look what he says in verse 19. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Jesus says this, even if you lose your physical life, right, and certain accolades in your personal life, you gain eternal life. God has and, and is accomplishing the mission of Christ's exaltation. Okay, so let's, let's say that. Let's, let's again, well, I feel like we're, we're stepping back and forth. We're dancing this morning, right? We're approaching and then we're stepping back, right? We're stepping back again and we're, we're saying this, that, that God has accomplished and he is accomplishing the mission of Christ's exaltation. It's sure, right? Like it's set. And we're, we're observing it play out. Like in our, daily, in our daily lives. God has and is accomplishing the mission of Christ's exaltation as the Spirit of God works through His bride. 
and body. Doing what? Well, exactly what we've been talking about this morning. By by filling every place with his presence. A knowledge of the reality of his enthronement. As we go into, as God's people, in places, circumstances, and and situations, what does it look like to, to live out and desire and pursue after Christ's exaltation, Jesus' saturation? Well, it looks like this. It looks like filling places with his presence and a knowledge of the reality of his enthronement. That's what it looks like. Like that's what it looks like to, to, to saturate a place, to saturate a community. We talk about the mission of this church, right? The exaltation of, of Jesus making, training, and sending disciples to engage the, the nations and our neighbors, which again, we're going to talk about in just a moment. With a knowledge of the, of the coming kingdom of God and our citizenship in his family through the sacrifice of the Son. God works through his bride and body, fulfilling every place with his presence, a knowledge of the reality of his enthronement. Is that following us? Is that following you into conversations, considerations, circumstances? Knowledge, the reality of the enthronement of Christ. Jacqueline said it in the beginning, right? Like, like the baby, right, grows. Stature, wisdom, truth. Gives himself to, to rescue sinners. Dying on a cross for, for the rebellious. Making adoption into the family of God possible. Raising back to life. Ascending to the right hand of the Father where he now resides. Sitting, enthroned, does this reality permeate our lives. This is the message of this church. This is our message. And as a result, because we are the church, this is the message of our lives. As a fellowship, our goal is to clarify this. Right? It's to to remind one another and encourage one another so that we might run with endurance, practicing obedience. I want you to imagine for a moment what it looks like. To live this, right? To, to live like this. I want you to imagine every city and every neighborhood. I want you to imagine every street and every home. Make it personal. Where do you live? What is your address? What street do you live on? Can you imagine these places saturated with the presence of Jesus through his people? Every, every school Every classroom, every gym and extracurricular activity, daily experiencing and hearing of the person and work of Jesus. The inescapable elevation and magnification of Jesus in every office space and in every coffee shop through gracious words. Right, and, and, and deeds by those so significantly impacted by the gospel of Jesus. Right, places that we places that we live, places that we that we work, and, and places that we play, permeating with 
the potent aroma of Christ Jesus. This is the intention of God. But this is the this is the intention of our God fulfilled through a spirit empowered people. And you say, this sounds incredible. You say this sounds utopian. And yeah, there's a temptation, right? There, there, there's, there's a temptation. The temptation exists. And perhaps you're wrestling with it even now. To think that this is a work, not for you, right, but for, but for skilled orders, right, and, and professionals. This is the work of professionals that you're talking about here. Right? I mean, like, why does the church support me if you're supposed to be doing this work, right? What you're talking about is for, it's for pastors, it's for church staff professional missionaries. Only this is not evidenced in the New Testament at all. In fact, if we, if we go back to the book of Acts, we read of the continued work of God the Father through God the Spirit as he comes to live in and empower the people of God to live in obedience to the instruction of God the Son. There is this this beautiful, self-sacrificing society, this community that he produces, leading to a, a great persecution and dispersion. People are sent everywhere. Jesus' people are sent everywhere. They are shot out of Jerusalem into the surrounding regions to spread the gospel message. And interestingly enough, these were not all professionals. In fact, if you observe like this account in the early chapters of the book of Acts, you find that all of the professionals stayed at home. Right? That they remained in, in Jerusalem. That it wasn't IMB and North American Mission Board trained missionaries, supported missionaries that were sent out to be about this work. They were, they were normal people, strengthened. And obedient to an extraordinary God. Carpenters and, and blacksmiths, right? Farmers and servants to their families. People just like you, right? Just like me, used in, in an incredible way to advance the message of the resurrection of Jesus. This is the message. So here's what we've established so far. I'm about to give you a brief outline, okay? We've said a lot of things. And so if you're kind of like, I'm lost, check in right here. Here are some things that we've said. The Father has exalted the Son. We observed this from Philippians chapter 2. Raising him to life and giving to him a people redeemed by his sacrifice who now move about enjoying him and as a result, glorifying him. Enjoying him and glorifying him. There's a, there's a correlation. There's a connection here. We have been commissioned for mission, and our goal is to practice intentional consideration of its implication. Let me say that one more time. We have been commissioned for mission, 
And our goal is to now move forward in intentional consideration of its implication. Right? From, from the baseball field to the boardroom. It doesn't matter. These realities shape the way that we are to live our lives. Considering even now what this looks like to, to live out, allow me to, to highlight just a few. As husbands and, and wives, before our families, we are to display and practice and intentional, intentional consideration of the implication of the realities that we've discussed. As students before our peers, right, we, we practice intentional consideration of the implication of the things that we have seen and heard this morning. Right, athletes before our teammates, as well as the competition, parents before our children, employees before our co-workers, superiors, and subordinates. As friends, before our friends, as well as those who would not call us friends. I want to combine a couple of these, and I want to lay out for you a really, a, really, uh, a really practical example of what this looks like and the way that it's playing itself out in our own lives. As many of you know, um, Courtney and I have a little boy named Judah. Uh, he's two and a half years old, um, and he started uh, this year attending two-day-a-week pre-K. Okay? It's been stellar, like it really has. That sounded sarcastic. I didn't mean it that way. It really has been awesome. We've so enjoyed it. On days when Judah attends, we um, pray. We pray either on the way to school or when we get there that God would help us to learn about him, right? that he would be with our teachers, that we would be safe. We pray for, for kind hearts to our friends, but also to those who might not like us for whatever reason. These two groups are beginning to, to come together as we are forming the idea, the conception of neighbor, right? It's not easy, right? Like even for Judah, even now, people that like Judah, it's sometimes hard for him to be nice to you, right? Like yesterday was a challenging day, okay? Your parents know what this looks like. Yesterday was, yesterday was challenging. But God's word makes it clear that we possess a supernatural understanding that now leads us to glorify him through the elevation of Jesus. And so, in spite of the fact that at times it is difficult to, to love our neighbors, we lean in, unified in this word. Why? Well, because what is our desire? Again, it is the, it is the, the permeation right, of our, of our communities and our workplaces and our friend groups, places that we frequent with the reality of the enthronement of our king, right? That's what, we're, that's what we're doing. That's what we're taking. That's what we are saying. Wherever we go and in whatever we do, these realities shape the way that we live our lives and they inform the things that we say. Does that make sense? This is what we're talking about here. In all of this, New Year's resolution, right? Um, the exaltation of Jesus in 2019 and beyond, right? That's what we're working on. That's what we're looking at, and that's what we're considering. 
these, these truths assist in, in shaping this for us. It's difficult. It's difficult, and it requires some intentionality in some other areas in order for you and I to maintain or to display any type of consistency. Okay, so allow me to take just a moment um, to, uh, to highlight a few practices that assist God's people in moving towards this goal. This is not an exhaustive list, okay? These are just a few. What do we need to take away? Right, we're, we're on board, you're sitting here and you're going, all right, like I, I recognize it, right? Like I see the goal, I see the mission, I'm on board. Now what do I need to do to get there? Like how does this, this, how does this happen, right? Because we've, we've understood, it's difficult, right? Like we get that, we understand it's, it's, it's oftentimes difficult for us. Here are a few things that we can do. Number one. A reality that we need to that we need to know, right? That the missional mandate of God becomes desirable as we pursue deeper intimacy with Him through prayer and His Word. The missional mandate of God becomes desirable as we pursue deeper intimacy with Him through prayer and His Word. So, if you're sitting here this morning and you're going, "Okay, that's broke," um, okay, I recognize the mission. Right? And I ought to have a desire for it. I get that. Like you, okay, yes, the gospel informs and shapes and and builds, establishes this desire that we ought to have to communicate this reality into our places and spheres of influence. But for whatever reason, I don't have that desire. I ought to, but I don't. Maybe that's where you are now, or maybe you're on board with this now, and three weeks from now, or three minutes from now, you find that you're in a little bit more difficult and precarious of a position in terms of of implementation. We must pursue deeper intimacy with him through prayer and his word. As we grow in intimacy with God. Or as we grow in this deeper understanding of who he is and what he has done. As we grow in this deeper understanding of gospel implication. Both in light of of who we are and who we were and our immense need, our unimaginable need and his infinite grace in rescuing us. As we grow in the realities of these truths, it shapes within us a desire to live out the missional mandate. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yes, right? Like we, okay, I don't have this desire. I ought to, but I don't. Dive headlong, right, into God's word, right? Considering gospel implication from every verse of that which the Lord has so graciously given to us. That, as we grow in an understanding how big God is, and our, our finiteness and his consideration of us, his rescue of us, it drives us towards this desire. All right? Let me say a few other things about that. If, if, if Christ's exaltation and, and God's glory this coming year and beyond is our goal, which it ought to be, we must know that it is going to require daily fellowship with him. As one pastor so lovingly encouraged his people, I will encourage you. Why? Well, because these three things are connected. Prayer and 
reading of God's word, right? Like to, they're, they're coupled, they're connected, right? They're not, they're not separated. And in fact, if you go about the work of separating them, you're breaking something that ought not to be, um, and you need to like to revisit and see some reform brought in this particular area. The practice of both of these disciplines in our lives. One pastor says this. He says, read the Bible praying. Father, hold my mind's attention. Wake my heart's affection. Speaking for your glory and my holy joy. Each one of us would do really well to write that in the front of our Bibles. Visiting it each day as we, as we sit down with the word. As we lean into these disciplines, we grow. We grow in an understanding of who God is and our need as sinners as well as the glory of the gospel. This is the encouragement. Practice prayer and daily scripture reading in 2019. Understand its power to conform our hearts and transform our desires for self-sacrificing mission. Right. This is the encouragement. And now I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to give you a handful of resources. Amen. On our website right now, um, you will find five different reading plans for this coming year. I'm asking you, I'm calling you, right, to to lean into and engage God in his word this year. Understanding that that will result in a desire to practice daily mission, all that we've been talking about. Over the past couple of years, this past year, we went through the New City Catechism by Timothy Keller. Um, Thanks to Anna and all the media guys for so diligently putting that up each week so that we could practice. The year before that, we read through the Bible in a year as a fellowship. This year, I want to give you five options for reading uh, the Bible through this coming year. Again, as I mentioned on our website, five different reading plans for this coming year. One from uh, the guys at the Bible Project, one from Table Talk, another from Navigators, one from The Legacy, and then finally from the ESV. These are just a few. Uh, There are, of course, more, and so my encouragement to you would be find a plan that works. Find a plan that works and give yourself to the daily discipline of fellowship with our God, sure to transform our hearts by his grace. Here's five examples, right? Here's five, here's five uh, places that you can, one, two, three, four, five. Five places that you can go online and find a reading plan. If one of those doesn't work for you, find another one. But lean into, right? And seek to engage and grow in an understanding of who God is in his word this year. Prayerful, prayerful at all times. Number one, right? The missional mandate of God becomes desirable as we pursue deeper intimacy with him through prayer and his word. I've got two more, but they're short, so hang with me. Um, Secondly, endurance for the mission is found in the spirit. Endurance for the mission is found in the spirit. The life of faith is an impossible one in our own strength. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13, Paul writes, By the Spirit, it is by the Spirit that we put to death the deeds of the body. 
In Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, again, Paul writes, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then finally, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, Whoever serves, let him serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. We are to be killing sin and pursuing righteousness. Right, a work that is made possible through the Spirit as He works in us to accomplish this purpose, His purpose. Why right? we, we exhort ourselves, relying on His strength made perfect in our weakness. Let's consider again what we read from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 5. What is his encouragement? It is this. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Right? Paul's call is to practice humility and service toward one another, a mentality that in, uh, that in uh, our, our natural state is impossible, and our natural strength that is impossible, but in Christ, obtainable. Right? If, you, if you leave here today desiring these practices and this life, let me be clear, I mean, that, is a, that is indeed a noble desire. It's a noble and impossible desire, okay? Do you like the way we did that there? Oh, wow, that sounds awesome. Oh, gosh. Noble, impossible, like good luck, like we can't accomplish it in our own strength. Paul makes that abundantly clear. In order to live for the exaltation of Jesus, we must live in daily reliance on Christ and the Spirit for strength. Right? We confess our need. Right? We, we come daily before the throne of our King through our great mediator, confessing our need, our sin, requesting and, and, and pleading and looking for a transformation of mind and desires that are, that are hammered into conformity in terms of what God desires for us and not what we desire for us. That's number two. Thirdly, encouragement for mission is provided by his people. So the second one was endurance for mission is found in the Spirit. Thirdly, encouragement for mission is provided by his people. God calls his people to maintain diligence in gathering together. Right To maintain diligence in gathering together Submission to the scriptures and observance of the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. They serve to to sanctify us as we sit together feasting on his word and giving our voices and movements in worship to God. We meet in small groups in order to pray for and with one another. We confess sin, gospeling one another and pointing back to the one who gave himself on the cross in order to bring us back to God. And we give ourselves to the wisdom and insight of the Lord through his people seeking counsel for life. We serve one another and in doing so remind one another of Christ's service for us. Right, The local church's role right, and, and continuing to produce within us this increased desire to, to live the missional life to live out God's mission and to embrace the mission of this local fellowship in terms of engaging our community with the hope 
of what we had talked about here this morning. Christ resurrected from the dead that we gather together every Sunday morning to celebrate. We're talking this morning about giving ourselves to the Christian life. Seeking diligent obedience to the work of God this coming year and beyond. As a fellowship, let us be considerate of our mission. Right? Let us be considerate of, of God's mission, its place in daily practice, and an embrace of these elements that serve to encourage and equip us for the work. As a church, we look ahead to 2019. Right? We look ahead with eager anticipation as to what the Lord will do in us and through us, excited as he builds his church. Excited as he builds this church. But let's be clear. Right? Our, our sight is not limited to this next year. Instead, we look to Christ the author and perfecter of our faith, and the one who has the will, Philippians 2, to bring all things ultimately under his sovereign rule. Let's remember these things as we come to the table. All right, as we come this morning and, and take of the bread and the cup, which serve to remind us of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, as well as the marriage supper of the Lamb that we will enjoy as his people with our King one day. Let's pray together.